Girlfriends, episode number 56. What the heck is self-care anyway? Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we're talking about date night overnights, Girlfriends Live, turning off social media, instant pots, and what the heck self-care is anyway. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode. I'm so glad you're here. I'm always happy to sit down and chat with you in this way once a week. So fun for me to connect with you in this way. I'm glad you're here. So how are you? How was your weekend? How was your week? I had a weekend I wasn't expecting to have. Um, I'm so blessed in the fact that my husband plans things for us, even if they're last minute plans. I actually thought I was going to get some work done this weekend. I've got some personal projects that have been piling up and that's how I intended to spend my Saturday after the boys basketball games in the morning. But when I got back, Dan was saying, hey, you want to go somewhere? (laughs) And he had already made plans for where we were going to go. We ended up going to Boston overnight last night. I'm recording this on Sunday. And uh, we went to see Norm MacDonald at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Um, Norm MacDonald from Saturday Night Live. We've actually been fans of his for a long time. I I don't know. He's just, he's one of those people. You know how some people are just, they're just funny. Like they can say something. You know this. They can say anything. And it's uh, kind of a little bit funny. Um, So he's like that. And I really enjoy his kind of dry sense of humor. I don't know. His his mannerism is so funny to me. So that was a ton of fun. They were actually like taping a show. I'm not even sure what network it's for. He was doing a special. And um, we got tickets. So it was so fun to go and spend the the night there in Boston, right, right in downtown Boston at Faneuil Hall. And get up this morning with no kids and no, you know, pre-mass rush. And we just walked to a church that was about a half mile from where we were staying and got some lunch. And it was just so nice and so relaxing and fun to do. And we were back home within 24 hours. So win, win, win. Oh, also, the kids did a great job. Like the house was not a wreck. Um, My oldest daughter, Katery, who's almost 22, was kind of in charge of things while we were gone. Um, And I posted on Instagram a list that I saw she had made up when I came home. And it gave me such confidence that things were well under control. It was a list um, that said at the top, if you want to use a screen of any time, do the following. And then she had a list of all these different chores, everything from, you know, filling the dishwasher to cleaning up a living room or taking out the trash or taking the dogs out. And the amount of screen time you could earn by doing each one of those. And I saw a number of them were ticked off. So some of my kids had been doing these things to earn screen time um, on their various devices. Uh, So I thought that was great. And it really made me feel like, not that my life is perfect, but like I felt like I have arrived. You know what I mean? That when I had, you know, eight kids that were all really small, really young, really dependent, you know, that was tough. And there were times, honestly, where I didn't feel like I'd get to a place like where I am today, where I felt like I was drowning in it. And that was all I could see. And if I had back then on one of those bad days been able to kind of get a little flash forward and, and see that little bit of my future, that list, and that my kids were capable of doing things and of the older ones organizing it so that the younger ones are motivated and happy to be contributing to the household. Wow. You know, I think it would have given me great hope and encouragement. So I hope the fact that that happened to me, if you were in that stage of your life where you've got just a bunch of little kids and you're kind of despairing or feeling overwhelmed, that it can give you hope too, that you can so get there because I felt like you do. And here I am. And no, not everything's perfect. And I was just grumbling to myself right before sitting down to record this about the fact that I am the only person who empties the garbage in the bathrooms. Like, what is up with that? Like, the thing is like overflowing and people are still trying to cram Kleenex in there. Like, wrap it up and take it out people. But anyway, my life's not perfect. But that was a great joy. And I had a ton of fun kind of reconnecting with Dan like that. We've both been pretty sick. So it, it's kind of been a rough kind of long week. And I actually wasn't sure Dan would feel well enough to, to go out like that. But he didn't. We, we had a blast and it was so fun. And I'm glad to be home and looking forward to a new week. So that was a ton of fun. And I want to encourage you, even if you can't do it overnight, if you can go away overnight with your husband, do that. 
make it happen. It doesn't even have to be, you know, some fancy place that's going to cost a ton of money. Just, I think it's so important to kind of get out of your own comfort zones, your own elements, your own routines, the habits that you fall into in your relationship inside of your home and inside of your regular daily schedules and kind of remove yourself from that and experience new things together. If you can't manage an overnight, because I know we certainly didn't for many years, um, we would have had people who would have probably gladly taken the kids, but I just wasn't inclined to do that. And that's okay. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to make date nights um, something that goes on on a regular basis in your marriage, because it really is so, so important. And I think it's so relationship feeding. I talked a little bit about date nights in our Girlfriends Live that we had this past week. Um, Girlfriends Live is the live interaction via video that I've been working on putting together for people who support this podcast through Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. That's where you can go to make a pledge of any amount. And then you can be a part of these video interactions in the future. I'm planning to do them once a month. Um, so this most recent one, I'm experimenting and I am not satisfied with, I guess it's YouTube Live is technically what it's called that I was using. I found it really difficult to use and the chat on it didn't work. I had it all set up on my side, like chat enabled and on and comments and everything was on. And yet people who were part- participating, I couldn't I couldn't interact with them. They, they weren't able, I guess they... Some of them told me they saw the chat box, but they weren't able to like click on it and use it. Other people told me they didn't even see a chat box. So that was very frustrating to me because part of what I want to do with these, um, you know, live interactions is have an interaction. So it was very one-sided, but thankfully I had some questions that people had sent me beforehand. So I covered those. Also, it abruptly ended like after 30 minutes, it just like cut off and I tried to restart it and it was like telling me I would have to create a new event. And anyway not satisfied with this YouTube Live, which is what Google Hangouts used to be. Um, I'm hoping some of you have more experience with this and you'll be able to let me know um, of some different tool that I can use. I originally planned to use Google Hangouts because I've used that in the past and I thought it was a a kind of fun, very easy way to connect and, you know, connect with people who... um, you know, in, in a private way so that, you know, like Facebook Live is great and I'm going to be doing some Facebook Live stuff for Catholic Digest in the coming weeks. But I, I wanted this to be limited to just those people who are Patreon supporters. So, you know, they get that benefit. Um, and you can't do that with Facebook Live, at least not that I can see. I, I, I played around with it a little bit. Um, so I, I wanted it to be Google Hangouts. But when I went to go and use Google Hangouts for this, it took me to YouTube and told me now Google Hangouts is YouTube Live. Like, I can't keep up. So that's what I was using. I don't know. If you have a tool or something that you like to use that you think might work in this capacity, really all I want is to be able to um, broadcast video to talk with people and at least maybe maybe they they're not able to use video though the way that you can in Google Hangouts like multiple people's videos but um that they can at least chat you know send me messages send me questions send me their feedback that would be really terrific i'm i'm thinking i might need to use like a, a webinar or go to meeting or something like that but i don't know that just sounds kind of overwhelming to me and maybe it won't be so user friendly for people if you have to like make an account or whatever so i i would love to hear your suggestions if you have some for me for what might work for that kind of interaction that i'm hoping to create since that one didn't go the way I wanted it to. I am planning to do these once once a month, but I'm planning to do another one sooner than that um, because I'm hoping to get one that really can work and I want to try out some different tools and resources. So look for information about that coming up. Um, And in the meantime, if you want to be a part of the next one, go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, make a pledge in any amount, as little as a dollar per episode, and you will get an invite to future live events, Girlfriends Live. Speaking of social media, I I think I'm turning off social media for the coming week. It's driving me crazy. I loved watching stuff about the pro-life march. I loved watching about the March for Life. And um, my son Stephen was there and lots of you know people we know were there. And uh, I actually was thrilled that we actually got some media coverage for it this year after having participated for so many years and being so frustrated by the media not covering it or underreporting the numbers of people. I, I don't know what kind of combination of things it was. Maybe it was just because of the inauguration. Maybe it was because of the women's march that just happened that the media covered extensively that um, they would feel, you know, foolish not covering yet another event of similar size. I don't know. But I was so thrilled to see that. But 
all this stuff, um, more politics, more more stuff about immigration, even inside of like very tight Catholic circles, I feel like on social media, people are being ripped apart, people are being divided, and it disturbs my peace. And I don't want to be ignorant about the issues. And I also don't want to create a bubble where I'm never challenged for the things that I believe and the things that I think. Um, so I know there's a danger of doing that by turning off people who make you crazy on social media. But I think what I'm going to be doing is at least toning down my use of social media, maybe just take it off my phone and only check it out online um, when I'm on my computer, which Usually I'm on for work, so I wouldn't be spending a ton of time doing social media during that time. So I think that might kind of tone it down a little for me. And I want to challenge you to do the same because I feel like we're all kind of in a place right now where uh, a lot of a lot of these things, Twitter and Facebook and the kinds of interactions we have there are not helpful, are not healthy. They're just... If you're experiencing that, I want to encourage you to try out toning it down with me, maybe removing it from your phone. You can so do that. Nothing's going to happen. You can take Facebook off your phone and nothing will happen. Like, you'll be fine. Seriously. So you don't have to delete your account or do anything dramatic. Just remove it and take a little break. Um, I also wanted to talk about Instant Pots. I put a tweet out asking people about Instant Pots and I just... I heard so much positive feedback. I've been interested in this. When I first started hearing about Instant Pots, you know, it was kind of a phenomenon. Like, it's like a huge bestseller on Amazon. Um, people love their Instant Pots. And I just kind of, you know, brushed it aside when I first saw it because I don't need another cooking appliance. Like, you know, I just, I, it feels silly. And I don't have space for it. I don't want to be storing it. And, you know, I don't even have a crock pot. I slow cook things in my oven and just feels like, why would I need this? But then the more I'm reading about it and then, you know what did it for me? I've been making bone broth, which takes a long time to simmer. And um, I saw that you can actually make it very quickly. You don't have to simmer it for like 24 to 48 hours, which is kind of a pain to do to, you know, make the bone broth properly. And I've been really big on doing that. We mentioned it um, last week with uh, Katie from Kitchen Stewardship. She talked a little bit about making that bone broth, but I've been doing it and trying to drink it at least once a day and encourage my family to drink it as well. And, you know, going through this recent cold, I felt like if nothing else, it was very soothing. And I knew we were getting good nutrition from it and um, good immunity boosting nutrition from it. So that that was a nice thing. Anyway, so I've been interested in the Instant Pot. If you have Instant Pot stories to tell, recipes to share, that might further entice me to ask for this as a gift on my next gift-getting occasion, which might be Valentine's Day. Not that I usually get a gift for Valentine's Day, but, you know, I could work it. I could I could ask for it. Um, and also, I'm interested in knowing, like, people with larger families, because there's there's a six quart and an eight quart, and I'm wondering which one of those would be the most useful for my family. Which you know, I'm I'm feeding eight people on a daily basis, not ten anymore, because my boys are out of the house. But I don't know. Maybe I want the larger capacity one. I don't know. So if you're excited about Instant Pots too, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Share with me all the deets. I want to know about how much you love your Instant Pot and what kinds of things that you do with it and appreciate about it. Okay, so on to this week's topic, which I have titled, What the Heck is Self-Care Anyway? <laughs> and the reason why I titled it, What the Heck is Self-Care Anyway, is because I feel like we see this word and it's kind of become a, a, you know, a buzzword, especially among the kinds of things that women usually read, whether it's in women's magazines or blogs or whatever, this whole self-care, self-care is so important, self-care, you got to make time for self-care. And I find it a little annoying because the last thing in the world that I need is to feel guilty about the fact that I'm not taking enough time for myself. Like these things that are telling me you've got to, and this is how it's always phrased, carve out time for yourself. Like, what exactly does that look like? I mean, what are you talking about? I, I get annoyed by these people telling me that I need to carve out time for myself. What does that mean? You know, practically speaking, especially busy women who have multiple responsibilities in their homes, their families, at their work, and their communities, all the things that we do, we also need to be burdened with carving out time for ourselves. Um, you know, to me, it's just not a very practical way to, to talk to women, to encourage women to do things that are healthy for themselves. So I'm taking a look at this idea of self-care, which what it is, 
is it's important. I understand that we need to be caring for ourselves, but I just want to share with you a few thoughts about what what I think self-care is or ought to be, what it ought to look like in your life. Because I think sometimes we get carried away and we think, oh, self-care is like a spa vacation. Well, that's not practical for me. And then we just push it aside as something we don't have the time to do, we don't have the money to do or the opportunity to do. And then we just feel like, oh, now I'm messing up something else because I'm supposed to be doing this, you know, for myself to be my best self for everybody else, you know. Uh, So annoying. (laughs) that I find that approach annoying. I don't need more guilt. I don't need more burdens. And I know you don't either. So first of all, let's talk about why this is important. And I think this is a good time of year to talk about why self-care is important because it's the horrible winter time. And no matter where you live, it's the horrible winter time. It's dreary. It's winter. It's, you know, it's a more indoor time of year. Things are dead. Yeah, I know some of you are living in gorgeous places and everything's green and lovely and warm. But most of us are, you know, suffering some sunlight deprivation, suffering some cabin fever this time of year, suffering some post-holiday blues. And, you know, we kind of can get into a rut with our routines and our our daily schedules and the kinds of things that we're, we're busy doing every day. And we can get burned out. You know, February is right around the corner here. And February, honestly, even though it's the shortest month of the year, I think it's the longest month of the year in the way that it feels because it's so dreary and it's so... It's just not a great time of year. There's not a lot of good going on in February. It's really, it's tough. And so going into it, I think it's important to take a look at self-care because burnout is a real thing. And I'm not talking about depression, um, debilitating depression or clinical depression or anxiety, the type of thing that you might want to consult with a professional about. I'm just talking about burnout, like just blah, I'm so sick of everything. And, you know, and I've even had a few days over this past week, especially with um, myself and other people in the family being sick, just like, really, do I have to do, you know, whatever it is, just like a normal thing. It just feels like an enormous burden. Like, do I have to stop at the grocery store? Do I have to go to the post office? Do I have to answer these emails? Do I have to, you know, set the table? Like, it just feels like, such a burden. And I know I recognize that feeling for what it is, like the beginnings of that kind of burnout, like where you don't feel motivated to do things and you don't feel joy in your everyday life. And that's not okay. God wants you to be joyful. God wants you to enjoy your life. And that doesn't mean every minute of it's going to be like all hearts and flowers or anything, but he, he wants your true happiness in what you're doing. And he doesn't want you to be miserable and kind of sludging through the basics. Like you're meant to embrace your vocation with joy. And um, when you're burnt out, that is not something that you're doing. And, you know, sometimes you'll find out that you're burnt out after the fact. Like I told you, I was kind of noticing those feelings in myself, like the do I have to's that I usually don't feel. I usually, you know, I get up in the morning, I'm like taking on my day, but I was getting up in the mornings um, recently and just like, oh, so many things, just kind of dreading my to-do list, which is very normal and not excessively burdensome or anything. But sometimes you'll find yourself like in a crisis moment, or it feels like a crisis at the time. In my book, Momnipotent, that um, was published through Ascension Press a couple of years ago, I shared this story of myself recognizing that I was burnt out when I found myself crying over turtle food. I really, I really did that because I, I kind of shared the the morning that I had in the chapter in Momnipotent. And, you know, it was just a busy day where I wasn't pausing. I wasn't pausing at all. I wasn't thinking at all about my own needs, maybe, you know, getting a drink of water or going to the bathroom, or it was just like rushing here, there, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and handling crises. And I had, we had a turtle, pet turtle at the time, and he needed food. And my daughter had reminded me as I was going out the door that we needed the turtle food. And after doing, you know, a million things and rushing back home, came in the front door. And that was the first thing my daughter said to me was, did you get the turtle food? And I just like walked into the bathroom, locked the door and burst into tears because I hadn't gotten the stupid turtle food. I just completely forgot about it. And in the moment, it felt like this big crisis, not that, you know, the turtle was going to die or anything, but I just felt like I was failing. I felt like I was failing at everything. Like I was working so hard and yet I felt like everything was falling apart and I wasn't doing any of the good things that I wanted to do that really were my goals. I didn't feel any sense of accomplishment in anything I was doing and I felt like a failure. And yeah, now looking at it, you know, of course, 
you can kind of see the perspective of, from, you know, for, you can see a different perspective from somebody on the outside. Like I, I wasn't caring for myself and I wasn't even pausing to breathe. And ultimately you are going to feel like you're failing because you're not going to be doing a good job of anything, first of all. And you're, you're not going to have the emotional strength to handle even small problems when you're dealing with yourself that way. So it's important. Self-care in, you know, in the true sense of what it is, is important. It's important to think about our own needs, to consider our own needs and build those into our days. And, you know, that's that's one thing. That's the, actually the, the first point that I want to make about self-care is that we need to not think about it as a once in a while big thing. You know, like I mentioned, like a spa weekend or um, whatever, you know, going going out on a girl's night or anything as involved as that. I, don't, I mean, those are great. And yeah, for sure. I want to encourage you to do those things. But that's not what I mean when I think about self-care and its importance. I'm thinking about something much smaller than that, not something that's a treat, that's a super rare event. Um, I'm talking about how you care for yourself day in and day out, how you function in the everyday. Like, let's remember that in order to do that, the kind of self-care I'm talking about can't be a big deal, right? I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to be taking off to the, you know, the masseuse every afternoon. I mean, (laughs) Yay for you if you can do that. But most of us are not going to be doing that. So you need to stop thinking about it as something that's a big deal, that's going to be a big burden on yourself, a burden you have to place on yourself. And think of it more as building into your everyday routines, opportunities to meet your own needs and care for yourself. So small habits. Okay, so this is the second point I want to make. First of all, that first, that it's not a once in a while thing, big deal. So secondly, these are small habits that I'm talking about, like pausing to breathe, drink, eat, rest. Those kinds of things need to be built into your routines. And there can be, you know, some nice ways that you can do that that don't take a lot of, you know, time or energy or anything. Like if you have, like, say you work outside the home, you need to have breaks built into your work your schedule of work, you know, and it might be something as simple as scheduling it, timing it, like at 10 a.m., I, you know, stand up from my desk and go, you know, take a walk around the building, or I go and um, make a cup of tea and, and spend a moment holding a nice warm cup of tea and, and smelling it and really experiencing it and enjoying that moment that, you know, stuff like that. And you can do that even even if you're a mom at home. And I know the unique challenges of being a mom at home with little kids that you don't really, you know, have a schedule that you can count on, but you could, you know, I know that years ago, I built into our schedule when um, I had a lot of little kids and we were homeschooling and, um, I built in break times that involved the kids too. Like we would pause and, you know, at at 10 o'clock or whatever, you know, get a snack or make some tea, you know, things that that could involve the kids. And um, you can have a, a habit of, quiet time after lunch. It's a natural time for people to rest and maybe your your youngest ones will nap. And um, so I'm talking about things like that, that can be built into your regular routine. You might have um, like something sensory that would help you to kind of take that break and, um, you know, remove yourself from what your, your schedule is, maybe light a candle that you love the smell of, maybe go for a walk, maybe go somewhere that's quiet. I am talking about a few minutes. I'm, you know, maybe make a connection with another person that, you know, maybe you're going to, um, when you're as part of your routine, going to the grocery store, maybe you're going to leave your phone in the car so that when you're standing in line, you're going to talk and and smile at somebody and make that kind of human connection that um, that's so meaningful and that adds meaning to our lives and makes us feel human again. I, I think, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal, but I think it does have to be built in for us to do it. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to feel like now is the time I'm taking for myself, children. So leave me alone and, you know, lock the door kind of thing. But having it built in like I'm, you know, you're you're doing dishes or laundry or, you know, any kind of thing that's involved with childcare, having it built in that you, you stop doing that for a few moments on, at regular intervals during your day. It's enormously helpful. It, it makes you feel human again. And I think that's really what we're talking about with, with regard to self-care 
is that idea that, oh, I can, I can feel like a human again. Sometimes it's just taking a hot shower. Um, sometimes it might be pausing to, to read a book that you enjoy or something like that. Um, or like I said, making a human connection, not on social media. We already talked about that, right? No, that's more depleting than building up and <laughs> affirming. So, you know, small habits. Look for ways to build small habits into your days. And thirdly, I want to talk about getting rest. Now, I know what nights are like when you have small children. I know it's kind of years of chronically being sleep deprived. But that doesn't mean you don't recognize the value of sleep. You know, Um, I've been really guilty of this in the past, where even when we had young children, and I was getting up at night to nurse babies and change wet beds and get drinks of water and whatnot, we don't really have those kinds of middle of the night interruptions anymore. But back then when we did, I would still I would be up early in the morning um, because kids were getting up early and I you know, would see my husband off to work and I still would stay up late, really late every night. And, you know, to some extent, it's understandable. First of all, that was when I was actually doing work. Um, I was working on my writing. I was working on my first book. I was working on um, columns that I was writing back then. I was working on my blog. And those things were really important to me. So in some ways, that was self-care. But I think I abused my my need of sleep just a little bit too much in those years in, in ways that weren't ultimately healthy for me. So being aware of the value of sleep. Now, whatever challenges you might have with regard to your sleep, we can all make a greater effort to go to bed at the same time, at a regular time, at a decent time. Maybe you do want to spend a little time, you know, each night by yourself or with your spouse after the kids go to bed. Maybe that is the time when you can actually do some quiet reading that's uninterrupted. You know, that's fine. But don't push it so hard that you're, you know, dying getting out of bed the next morning. I was shocked recently when I I heard um, an interview of a doctor who's an expert on sleep. And he was saying, you shouldn't feel like you're dying getting out of bed every morning. That's not normal. It's not, it means there's something off in your sleep routine. And, you know, for years, I was of the mind that, yeah, that's just how it feels getting out of bed in the morning. It's horrible because I've never been a morning person anyway. But in making some small adjustments, um, especially, you know, in the last year or so to my sleep routines, um, trying to stay off of screens in the evening because that, that messes with your hormones and that can mess with your sleep patterns. Having a screen shining in your face till the wee hours and then trying to go to sleep can mess you up. So I tried to be um, more aware of those kinds of things. I've tried to be more regular about getting to bed at a more reasonable time. It's actually been helpful for me this year. Um, My husband's doing some work that has him leaving earlier than he used to ever leave the house in the morning. And I get up with him and I'm driving kids early in the morning anyway. Um, But then the two of us are really, you know, naturally tired and ready to go to sleep at an earlier time. Um, Certainly not, we're never going to be nine o'clockers, but 11, you know, that's kind of, that's early for us compared to what we used to do. And uh, I still will stay up late sometimes, you know, especially if I'm working on a project that I'm excited about, or, um, you know, just to, to have fun sometimes hanging out with friends or whatever. Um, but just being more aware of that, aware of how much sleep affects everything else you do. Um, I mentioned that interview that I recently heard, and one of the other things that the that the expert, the other point that he made was sleep is, it's more than just rest for your body. It's when you're making yourself more effective. Like if you're working out, for example, it's during your, your sleep hours that you're going to get the benefits of that workout, that your body's going to be rebuilding, making itself stronger, um, setting your, your metabolism to, to burn fat off of your body. It's happening when you're sleeping. So if you're like working out and killing yourself and working on your diet and you're like, I'm not losing weight, I'm so frustrated, maybe you just need to be taking better care of your need for sleep. Um, also, it's when your your learning becomes effective. It's when your, your memories are, you know, during that deep sleep pattern is when you really cement your memories and the things that you learned in the day, those become a a part of what, you know, your deep knowledge. And so you're going to be effective, more effective at your work, more effective in your learning, more effective in what your physical goals are. If you're taking care of that sleep thing, it's so important and it really does affect your mood. So if you are like I was for years, like feeling like you're dying, getting out of bed every morning, 
look at some of your habits surrounding your sleep habits and look for ways that you could possibly get more rest. It might mean getting more rest during the daytime, especially if you're a mom of young kids and your nighttimes just are going to be interrupted and maybe for a while yet they will be. That's one of the sacrifices of parenthood. I get it. Um, but maybe take it more seriously. Take take more seriously the effect that it's having on your your mood and your feeling of wellness. It's important. Okay, the next point I want to make about what the heck self-care is, is practicing good, now I love this phrase, good emotional hygiene. Do you do this? I'm working on it. Um, So what I mean by this, and I, you know, I don't even know where I picked up that phrase, but it stuck with me in um, a number of different places that I've been reading and, and looking at online. But the idea of emotional hygiene, like how you process your negative emotions, that's part of self-care in, you know, the practical way that I'm talking about. It should be a part of your everyday, you know, part of how you can do that um, to, it means like handling your stress and your anxiety in a way that's healthy, in a way that promotes your, your wellness rather than the opposite of that. So, you know, we work best in a rhythm. So it's, it would be good you know, to handle your stress in your day by scheduling breaks. Like when you take more breaks, you get more done. Have you noticed this? And I don't mean like the kind of breaks where you're like, oh, I'm procrastinating that thing that I have to do, like doing the taxes. And so I'm just going to watch Netflix. That's not taking more breaks to get more done. Taking more breaks to get more done means you're, you're actually working toward whatever, you know, whatever it is, it might be, you know, work in your household, or it might be work at your work, it might be, um, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're trying to focus on, but taking a regular break from it, moving away from it, having that scheduled in your natural rhythm, whatever that looks like, there's like a, I think it's called a pompadoro, I'm probably saying it wrong, pomodoro. All right, I'm going to look that up, and I'll put it in the show notes, but there's a technique, um, and I think it's based on like, uh, a certain number of minutes of work, and then you you set a timer, and then there's a certain um, number of minutes that's a break, and then going back to the work, and you know somehow somebody figured out this system that thought thought that it worked well with how humans function and focus, and but just you know some version of that could be effective for what your your day looks like. If you're a mom at home and and your day is made up of household duties, you know you don't have to be super strict about what your schedule is, but just have scheduled in like you know if you're you're working on something for a while whether it's housework or, or childcare or something along those lines then have a break scheduled you know right after it just 10 15 minutes or or whatever it is you need um so but also it can mean scheduling periods of nothing in your calendar this is something that i find so important to my own sense of well-being um, you know, working from home as I do, I'm in charge of my schedule a lot, but I do have a number of things that get scheduled. There are regular meetings that I participate in, um, conference calls. There are, you know, an, regular meetings that I have with various people that I work with. And um, so I, I do have a number of things that get scheduled. But what I do, and I, I realized I was doing this without really fully thinking about it, but just because I, I liked the way that it felt, which was you know, picking one afternoon, like um, tonight, Sunday night, I'm probably gonna look at my week, my calendar for the coming week and see what kind of stands out as like, oh, I don't have much scheduled in this particular afternoon. And then what I would do is just block that off, at least mentally in my head, like Wednesday afternoon, I'm not scheduling calls, I'm not scheduling meetings for that time, if I can help it, I'm not scheduling appointments, stuff outside the house, and having that space just reserved and free. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be working during that time. Um, for sure, I'm going to be in some capacity. But it, it gives me kind of the mental space, not the constant interruption of, of phone calls. And it gives me the space where if I'm working on a larger project, something I want to focus on, I'm able to do that in you know that period of time. It also gives me a little bit of leeway because sometimes other things that are scheduled overflow and bump into that time. And if you've got that time all scheduled, then guess what? They're all bumping into each other and making a huge stressful overload on your day. So I I find it's helpful to kind of fill in, schedule in buffers like that. And it doesn't have to be just with work. If you don't work outside the home, this could be even just your social obligations that, or the, the number of activities that you're involved in with kids or whatnot. Just figure out how to, how you can schedule spaces of time with nothing. 
with nothing in your calendar. I, I promise you that it feels really good to have that space to work with if you need it. But then it feels really good if nothing does get scheduled and you can focus on what you're going to choose to focus on and not somebody else's agenda during that time. So, um, oh, also, I wanted to mention the idea of um, when for for those who are working outside of the home, I think I've experienced this in different workplaces. Sometimes there's that pressure, and every workplace has its own culture with regard to this. But you know, let's say you work nine to five in an office kind of situation. Some cultures in the office have this like come early, stay late kind of thing, and it's not required of you, but then you feel like a a kind of social pressure in the office. Like, I don't want to be the only one who's leaving at five o'clock. We're all off the clock at five. Why, why would I leave if nobody else is? It looks bad, right? But I want to tell you from my perspective as um, somebody who now I, I have employees that I manage and if I'm getting, and this has happened both ways, if I am getting emails and other work communications from people in my workplace on the weekends, late, late at night. Um, you know, if I, I'm aware of them doing work-related stuff during what should be their personal time, I'm not impressed. Um, I, I, I used to be that person. I used to, and I still will sometimes, you know, um, send out some work-related stuff late at night or whatever, just because that's when it's convenient. But for the most part, I think it's important and it, it shows us a, a balance in a person's life if they respect those boundaries between work and their personal life. And ultimately, I think it makes a better employee who has those things in, in balance, has those things in check. You know, if you're not like an ER doc, nobody needs you to be working you know, 24 hours a day. They don't need you to be on call about things. And I understand there are work emergencies and whatever. And sometimes you'll, you'll have a boss who really is looking for that from you. Um, but, you know, if you work in a work culture where that's what you're feeling, or if your husband does that, maybe challenge it a little bit, maybe push it a little bit. I have a friend who told me she once worked in an office where everybody always would stay until 6, 6.30, 7, even though you know, everyone was off the clock at five. It was like a nine to five kind of office. Um, And she felt pressured to do that too. But then when a new employee started there and left every day at five o'clock, everyone was kind of shocked, first of all. But eventually other people started doing the same and it kind of shifted the office culture. Maybe you want to be that person. Maybe you want to encourage somebody you know who's kind of suffering under that kind of circumstance. Because you know what? When you're always working, you're not doing a good job. And you know what? I want people that I'm working with and I want when I'm working to be focused and to be focused and have energy and to be doing a good job, not, you know, banging out a million emails at 1130 p.m. Like that's not normally something that should be required of you professionally just encourage you to kind of push the culture a little bit that way. And um, also, you know, even if you're not working outside of the home, keeping regular hours, like, you know, keeping your downtime, downtime. And, you know, evening hours are for family, um, not for outside obligations, you know, limiting that, limiting the influence of outside forces on your sanctuary time, the time that you're supposed to be focusing on your family. So I want to encourage you to let go of that. Let go of that mentality and stop using biz- busy as a badge. Like we talked about this in our in the Are You Too Busy episode a while back, but it's not a badge. It's not a badge of honor. Like I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. Well, then pause. Figure it out. You know, figure out um, how you can how you can manage your your obligations better. You know, reevaluate things. Let go of some things. Then um, busy's not a badge. I, I think being too busy is um, certainly the opposite of self-care. So if you're finding yourself that way, you know, reevaluate your, your situation and, and let go of that idea and allow yourself to schedule some nothing times in your calendar. I think that that can be enormously helpful toward that good emotional hygiene. The one last thing that I want to mention about emotional hygiene is thinking about and thinking beforehand about how you handle a negative event, something bad happening in your life, um, like uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever the thing is, you get some bad news of some kind, you have a, a a fight with a friend or whatever it is. I think a lot of times our reaction to negative news or a negative event is to immediately start processing it. 
you know, immediately start dealing with it. Like you said, like, you know, you had a disagreement with a friend, then maybe you're immediately going to go to that person and, and try to talk to them about it. And in the heat of the moment, and um, you're, you're upset about a misunderstanding or whatever it is, or you get bad news about um, a family member's health, and you're just immediately wanting to deal with it and dive right into it. Or your, your son's teacher calls and he's being inappropriate at school and you're devastated and angry and disappointed and just like diving right in and wanting to deal with that situation. I think that is not good emotional hygiene. I think practicing good emotional hygiene means when you have a negative event, when you have something that disrupts your peace in that way that you're upset about, that um, like maybe something bad, you know, happened with your work or with one of your kids, whatever it is. The best thing to do in the beginning sometimes is just remove yourself from the situation and give yourself a chance to breathe. Give yourself a chance to get a little perspective. Because I often find that what I think is a horrible crisis, and I'm very upset about it, I will in the moment sometimes overreact to it. I've done this for sure in my work situations and in my personal life. Like I immediately attack um, whatever the problem is, like maybe I got negative feedback at work and I immediately want to like explain myself and type out that email or make that phone call and make sure my boss understands and or fix it. Like say I made a mistake, like I want to dive right in and fix it and make sure everybody knows I fixed it. And But really what's sometimes helpful is getting that perspective, like pause, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm not going to respond immediately. I can take 20 minutes and go for a walk. I can take an hour before I do anything about this thing that happened. And really just giving yourself that permission to pause, to breathe, to, you know, get that proper perspective. Sometimes when you come back, you have a better idea of how to handle it. You're less reactive and more proactive in what you're choosing to do. You're more thoughtful about it. You're more deliberate about it. You're more intentional about how you're approaching the problem. So, you know, but that kind of thing takes practice and it takes thinking about it ahead of time. It, it takes, you know, knowing ahead of time that this is, you know, think about what your reaction usually is to a negative event. And when you're in that moment, remembering that. So thinking it about it ahead of time helps you in the moment. Remember, yeah, this isn't how I, I didn't want to dive right in and respond immediately. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to hit the pause button, come back to this when I have a little bit of a better perspective. It's not going to solve all your problems. They're not all going to go away, but at least you'll have a better perspective on it and um, possibly have calmed down a little bit. Sometimes things are not really as bad as they feel in the moment. Okay, so those are my thoughts about self-care. First of all, that it's not a once in a while thing. It's actually small habits that you build into your routine. Remembering the importance of sleep uh, practicing good emotional hygiene and letting go of busy as a badge. It's so important. But I bet you have some ideas about self-care. What kinds of things work for you? How do you build self-care into your routine? What are your challenges with regard to practicing self-care? And I really, <laughs> I'm using the word self-care. I kind of hate the word self-care. If you have an idea for what we could refer to this as instead of self-care, because to me, that's like a loaded term and it means, it means so many different things to different people. What the heck is it? So I'd love to hear if you have a different way of referring to this practice of caring for ourselves in small ways, attending to our own needs in a reasonable way on an ongoing everyday routine routine basis. So send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Send me some voicemail feedback. You can always go to daniellebean.com and click leave voice feedback. You can always go to the show notes at daniellebean.com and connect with me on Voxer. You know I love to hear from you in that way. And it's so fun. It's like like a walkie-talkie. You can just leave me a voice message and I'll get it instantly and I can add your voice to a future episode of Girlfriends. And now speaking of feedback, I did get some fun feedback from a listener, Alice, who sent me a video of her cute little guy who had some thoughts to share about our episode that mentioned Brussels sprouts. I eat Brussels sprouts, mm, 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 but I love candy. Mm, 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 mm. Yay! Yes, 
I love that song. And um, even though people keep promising me that Brussels sprouts will taste like candy, if I put maybe a little brown sugar on them, some salt and pepper, some butter, some bacon, that all sounds really good. The stuff you put on sounds good. And you know what? When I was in the grocery store, the produce section um, the other day, I paused and I looked at the Brussels sprouts. They didn't look that scary. They didn't look like the mushy brain balls that my mother used to put in our plates. And even she admits they were gross. I'm not dissing my mom. She's an awesome cook. But Brussels sprouts were just, mmm. She cooked them from frozen and they had some kind of sauce on them, I think. Anyway, they were so vile and I couldn't stand the smell of them and felt like, you know, being forced to eat brains. I'm not sure how much I did actually eat them, but we definitely were encouraged to clear our plates when we were growing up. Anyway, all of that to say, I I might be growing up just a little bit on Brussels sprouts. I don't know. But right now, I am with Alice's little guy who prefers candy to the Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So far, so far. Keep sharing those recipes with me. You are inspiring me. And we also got a little bit of feedback this week from Monique, who is a Patreon supporter. And she offered a little bit of feedback on Girlfriends Live that we participated in last week. Hi, Danielle. It's Monique. I listened and I was on the live chat. So thanks for answering my question. No, the chat box couldn't work for me, even though I tried to see if it was something on my end. I don't think so. I think it was some account setting on your end that potentially could be fixed. Great commentary. Um, I loved the comments about the family announcements about a pregnancy and the date night. Thank you for the maths expectations comment. Uh, I will have to rethink about those myself. My husband always says mine are a bit high, (laughs) but who knows? Uh, I agree with the daily mass. Um, I've tried taking my older kids, eight, nine, and 10 there. And uh, Monique, I think you got a little cut off at the end there, but thank you for sharing your comments on Girlfriends Live. I appreciate that. Um, Monique gave you kind of a rundown of the topics that we talked about. We talked about date night. We talked about um, making an announcement of a Seventh pregnancy, someone was asking about to family that isn't necessarily going to be supportive, very difficult, um, challenging thing for some people to do. Um, We talked about bringing little kids to mass and how we can set reasonable expectations for ourselves, for them, how we can set ourselves up for um, finding greater success and overall happiness when the family goes to mass together. And one of those tips that Monique mentioned was I I suggested in um, Girlfriends Live in that interaction, I was suggesting bringing kids to daily mass. It's a great way to practice in a concise, you know, abbreviated version of it. And the kids can, you know, really learn more about what goes on in the mass. They usually can sit up closer and have a closer, you know, look at what's going on as well as it's only like 30 minutes max usually and um, much more tolerable for young people who have trouble sitting through mass. So, um, so anyway, thank you, Monique, for, for sharing that. Monique shared her feedback on Voxer. You can do that, too. You can go to daniellebean.com. Check out the show notes. I've got a link to connect with my Voxer account there. Easy, fun way for you to leave some voice feedback for me to include on a future show. And if you want to be a part of future episodes of Girlfriends Live, if you want to get an invite to those events, upcoming. Like I said, I'm going to try again in the next couple of weeks, but um, ultimately my hope is to schedule these at least once a month going forward. And the way you can participate in that is by becoming a contributing member at Patreon. You can support this podcast for as small a pledge as a dollar per episode. You go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash girlfriends and pledge your support. It means so much and it makes it easier for me to make the time, to justify making the time every week to sit down and record an episode for you all and for you to share with your friends and family. So if you're at all able to contribute in that way, go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. And one of the benefits you'll get is an invite to Girlfriends Live, which is a fun way, new way I'm working on for us to interact. And I'm going to get that chat box figured out and figure out what tool I'm using. So look for news about that in the weeks to come. 
Okay, and this week I also got um, some email feedback from listener Krista, who I know IRL. She is engaged to be married to a close friend of ours, so really excited to have her as a listener and looking forward to her wedding in the fall. Um, But Krista offered some feedback on sinuses. I told you I was suffering with my sinuses. I'm feeling tons better, thanks in part to uh, some of the suggestions people sent. But in case you are suffering, I thought I will share some of what Krista sent Um, about treating sinuses. So the first thing she says is drink two tablespoons of Bragg's apple cider vinegar daily. Hmm. I've never done this. I I did see Hallie Lord once posting, I think it was on Snapchat, about drinking apple cider vinegar and almost dying from what it tasted like and felt like. Um, But you you can dilute it with water, Krista suggests, if that's too hard, and chase it down with a spoonful of raw honey. She doesn't say what it does for you, but um, I, I'm going to look into that because I've been seeing more and more about apple cider vinegar. And I don't know about the Braggs. Is that a brand? I guess that's a brand of apple cider. I just have a giant jug of it, like, you know, bigger. I think it's a gallon. And I have that in my pantry, but maybe that's not the good stuff. Um, she also makes a ginger turmeric tea. She says, I steep a bunch of tea bags and add big chunks of fresh ginger. When the tea is done, I scoop out the ginger and dump in some turmeric powder and blend it with water. Then put the ginger and turmeric smoothie through a strainer to uh, the pulp until the pulp is left and all the liquid is in the tea. That sounds pretty good. I, I might be trying that. Um, also soup, lots of soup. I already told you I'm making bone broth, so I'm doing all right there. Water with lemon and steering clear of dairy, she recommends for sinus health. Thank you, Krista, for reaching out with that. Um, Krista also shared some ideas for beating the winter blues and suggests it could be a fun episode topic. I know I did a show like that last year, but um, I'm going to save your suggestions on that, Krista, to share in a future episode because I think it's going to be timely. Like I said, here comes February. So um, yeah, beating the winter blues is going to be an important topic for us to be taking up. So thanks for reaching out in that way, um, sending me that email. So you can send me an email too if you have some feedback about today's episode, any of the different topics that we've covered, thoughts about self-care or um, sinus health or whatever else we've talked about here, Um, suggestions for Girlfriends Live. I'd love your suggestions for topics as well. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. Thank you to everybody who is supporting the show on Patreon. Our newest supporter is... I'm not sure I'm going to say your name right, but I think it's Melanie. It's M-A-L-A-N-I. She's our newest supporter on Patreon. So thank you for that, Melanie. And you too can go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out how you can do that and be a part of future events like Girlfriends Live. But thank you just for being here, for downloading this episode, for putting in the earbuds and letting me talk to you every week. I so appreciate it. I appreciate it when you subscribe on iTunes, leave your reviews on iTunes, when you share links to the episode on social media. It really means a lot and it does a lot to help me get the episodes out to more and more people. I want to be helping and serving as many people as possible. I want to have this show reflect the many different voices of women inside the church and by sharing it you can really help me to do that so thank you for being here thank you for taking the time to share with me this week and until next time i hope you enjoy your day and god bless your week Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy.